What's up, everyone? This is Jay, a.k.a. Brother Soap, welcoming you to a new episode of the British Soap Podcast. As always, I am here with my homegirl, my partner in crime, the Donna to my Sasha. <laughs> What's going on, Miss uh, uh, Hobie City co-worker? Oh, yeah! I am very glad we started re-watching the show. I love Cat. I, I, I'm digging the casualty from when we started. <laughs> yes. So for those of you listening, like, who the hell is Sasha? Who is Donna? <laughs> so... You all, some of you may know that previously uh, we incorporated Hobie City into our show until it was canceled for no good reason. Well, recently I saw the news that Donna Jackson was rejoining Casualty. Um, I remember watching Casualty back in the day and I really didn't like it. Right, like around the time we started watching Hobie City... I'd watched a couple episodes of Casualty to see if it was as good. I remember Nancy from EastEnders was on there. Kush's brother from EastEnders was also on there. And I just wasn't feeling it. So um, I decided to give it another go because I wanted to see what Donna brought to the show. Uh, Lens also told me that Sasha had rejoined the show. So I wanted to see, you know, what, uh, you know, how the show was. And it's excellent. And it's like Hobie has never left. And it's at Holby City. So, yeah, we're going to have to talk casualty on the show going forward. So, yeah. Um, and, baby girl, I know this about you. So, you like me. I know that you watched ER and yeah. General Hospital. Yeah. I think you also watched some Port Charles. And I know you're yeah. not too I much in the... I watched all the Port Charles. <laughs> Say it again about Port Charles? I watched all the Port Charles. Okay, all good. <laughs> Now I know you're not into Grace as much as me, but like some other shows that like some other shows that have like you know are in my current roster or have been in the past are things like The Good Doctor, Nip Tuck, The Resident, some new shows I'm watching, Doctor Death, The Nurse on Netflix, and Dead Ringers, right? And now you know we've got Kobe and Casualty, obviously. Why do you think these hospital shows like just get our hearts and our brains so interested in that trauma? You know, I honestly don't know because ER was my favorite show when I was a kid, like a child. Like I was two foot tall and watching ER with my mom. So it was just, I think it was more like the, uh, I think it's more of the dramatics that comes along with it because you get that, you get that adrenaline pump through because you're like oh my gosh that person's gonna that person's gonna die go in there doctor green go in there and save them and then you have like those and like you have the characters that leave or the characters that die or the characters that you've grown to like and then they just leave and you're just like where did they go and you know it's just the dramatic aspect for me I don't know why I don't like Grey's Anatomy my sister lives for it but I, I just couldn't get past the first like three seasons i watched the first three seasons and they were fine but it was oh, just like good. you know i managed the first three seasons of the what 20 something <laughs> yeah you know <laughs> no, I, I feel like i feel like you know it's because at some point we're all going to be sick at some point we all have to go to the doctor 
And I think mm-hmm. it's the fact that these shows give a window into what could be a possibility in our lives, right? They also give right. us like so the inner workings happen. and mindset of, you know, doctors and how they make decisions, you know? And like for me too, like, I also like reality shows that are mm-hmm. doctor focused. Like not not the uh, the plastic like, surgeon uh, ones. You don't watch that you don't watch that nasty one with the pimple popping, do you? <laughs> no. The ones that I like there there used to be a couple on uh, ABC, which were the first ones that I watched. I can't remember the names of either show, but basically it was cameras going to the ER and ICU and shadowing doctors yeah. there. So Netflix has one right now, which is called, I think it's Emergency Room NYC, uh, which just dropped last month. And it's just fascinating um, because a part of it is happening during the pandemic. Um, and so you can kind of see what doctors are dealing with and how they're managing in that type of environment. You know, I, th- I think, you know, medicine for those of us who didn't go to school to be a doctor, there's a mystery element that's there, and I'm liking the shows that are giving us insight to what's going on in the mindsets of those people. Like, I remember in one of the reality shows I watched, this doctor said something like, you know, people think we're like these people who, like, just totally know everything. He's like, no. We are just normal people who have to research things like we all do. And sometimes we're just offering our best guess based on how we're trained. So don't, you know, like deify us as doctors. Just recognize we're regular people just trying to help you as best we can. So don't be scared of us. And that, that kind of that yeah. sat with me, you know? And, and I mean, know. like being, being that person who actually works at a hospital, Let's, let's keep that in mind here. Mm-hmm. I've, I I know a few doctors, and I've I've asked them a few questions, and mm-hmm. they flat out say, "I don't know. I'll have to look into that for you." Mm-hmm. You know, I I I can get behind that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I I I there's there's just something about the hospital drama though mm-hmm. that makes you think. Because I remember in like the first episode of ER, the first minute of it is Dr. Green sleeping and him being forced to wake up after 15 minutes of sleep because he didn't get any sleep that day. And it's just like, I no longer want to be a doctor. (laughs) Yeah, it's crazy. You know, I know some doctors and nurses now, and it's so short-staffed with doctors in this country. Some of their hours are just ridiculously insane. And my hats go off to those individuals who truly care about that work and care about making sure that patients are okay. Um, you know, with all the brain tumor stuff I had going on, you know, I also, fortunately, I had the privilege of working in a space that was dedicated to eradicating cancer, and I had access to oncology nurses that I talked was able to talk to to help me navigate my diagnosis. And that gave me a lot of respect for the profession as well, you know. And my girl, even like, you know, I also loved ER back in the day, and I stopped watching after uh, Anthony Edwards left because Green was my man on the show, and I just couldn't go on yeah. without him. But and recently, then, then he, died, he died of a brain tumor. But recently, I decided to give uh, the seasons that I miss a different shot. So I started with I think season 
nine. I think I started with the episode after Green Past. And surprisingly, what those first couple episodes are about is the threat of a pandemic, which they think is coming to a yeah. hospital. I'm like, oh my God, like what, what the timeliness, uh, you know, that I, yeah. I chose to watch. And you know what? The episodes are excellent. You know what I'm saying? So I'm, I already, I've seen some of the Angela Bassett area and I know I was not a fan of that, but I think I'm going to at least get through season nine because even, you know, it's been years since that show's been off the air. I think the episodes I'm watching aired in like 2000, early 2000s right 2009 I'm on the Wikipedia on on IMDB page but the the point is even the things that I'm watching that aired in the late 90s early 2000s are just as relevant to what is happening today and the episodes I'm talking about actually is almost 20 years ago because it was 2003 is the season that I'm watching so the episodes are as relevant today as they were back in the day. And it's, it, there's just something about those, those hospital shows. And I think that's why the hospital is often a big uh, part of every show, right? From EastEnders, Emmerdale, Hollyoaks, you know, in U.S., General Hospital, Port Charles, Young and the Rest is Bold and Beautiful. Everything has the hospital as a center of, of gravity. And I think that's yeah, just somehow fascinating. Yeah, yeah. You know, because, I mean, they, it's part of our real life, you know. So I just think that's interesting. But anyway, uh, Casualty will be joining the British Soap Podcast lineup. So get ready. If you aren't watching, uh, start with, and you're new to the show, uh, it's only once a week. But you all feel free to start with the welcome to the, I want to say welcome to the jungle, but I don't think that's what it is. <laughs> welcome to the War Zone episode welcome that I think aired zone. on August on April the 8th, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. No, no, no. That is a show to watch. Yes, yes, yes. All right. But we are here to talk about more shows than casualties. So if today, after listening, you happen to have a question about the British soaps, or there was something that we did not talk about that you would have liked us to have discussed, like the British Soap Awards, that conversation is coming, <laughs> head over to com to shoot us an ask or hit us up on the Twitterations until we move to Substack or Mastodon or whatever new blue one. There's a new blue one I saw the other day that we do <laughs> when Elon blows Twitter. Uh, or on the Twitterations at UK Soap Podcast. So this, this time period, so we, we're kind of playing catch up on soap. And to like give us a break and us not having to cover, you know, six months or so. Um, we picked out some extra special episodes and or weeks to focus on. And we're going to give our takes on those. So for Emmerdale, we picked the week of um, Patty's attempt on his life and the intervention. So... Baby girl, talk to me about your viewing of the week of the intervention. What did Emmerdale do to make you say, first of all, what in the hell? So I have, I have like, my biggest one is a both a yay what the hell and a nay what the hell. And it is the bigotry of, it's Mitchell, right? That's his name? Marshall, Marshall's dad. 
I hate that man just looking at him for that minute that I saw him at first. I'm like, that dude is very good reason why Marshall is stowing away at Rishi's house and eating potato chips. <laughs> but it's just like I loved when in that right after when he got the text message or when uh, Laurel Sunder got text message from Marshall saying hey he locked me in my room he took away my tablet he took away my phone I'm not entirely sure how he texted him then but he took all this stuff away from me and he locked me in my room and he sent me to boarding school and Laurel's like, yeah, he ain't lying to my face again. He storms and she storms up into the dude's face and I'm just like, oh my god, I'm being Degrassi. <laughs> and for those of you who don't know, uh, when I grew up, there was this show I watched called Degrassi. I'm sure you've all heard of it. Drake was on it and I will forever call him Wheelchair Dibby from this point. I apologize. But uh, there were these two characters named Craig and Marco and they kind of combined the two characters into this Marshall character and I kind of really enjoyed how they brought the how Laurel just went and said, I'm taking this child out of this home and if you kick him out, that's fine. We'll take care of him. It's clear my son likes him anyway, you know. And it's just like, this is this is wonderfully done. And I liked the and I liked how she broke in and I hated how he reacted. But at the same time it was all a very poignant storyline that needed to be what the hell in both directions. <laughs> yeah. Um I have really been impressed. I have been, I have been so impressed by how Emmerdale has handled the uh, coming out of Arthur. A turn I did not see coming at all. And in part that I think that I love so much because we have grown up with this uh, young actor who plays Arthur. Now, we have not always been happy <laughs> with him. Uh, you know, he's not a Robin Scorpio. He hasn't always been sweetness and light on this show. Um, you know. Um, but this storyline has been uh, fantastic. So, let's see here. So, it looks like so Alfie Clark is the name of the king who has played Arthur since 2009. Uh, and the bullying storyline was definitely my least favorite of his storylines. You know, I've actually always liked the kid. I'll, I'll, I've always thought he seemed sweet, uh, except for the whole bullying thing, which I really did not like at all. But not, I was not... Or you don't bully a that, that, yeah. that's not okay. Because he, he, you know, he's obviously bigger than the kid. And now he was a little bit younger when that storyline went on. But it just, it for me, it didn't ring true to the character except for the fact that this is Ashley's son. And Ashley went through that with his father. That was one of the first storylines that I saw when I started Emmerdale. I didn't like Ashley doing it. I didn't like Arthur doing it. 
This, I prefer significantly. I feel like Alfie has been playing this so well. I will say I was a little worried, not by Alfie, but by the way the show kind of felt a little like it was leaning a little too after school special for me right you know we've got a big event he's gonna come out and it's gonna be kumbaya that's what it seemed like this was shaping up to be yeah the concerns that i had about emmerdale making out like everything's just pitch perfect you have a white gay come out everybody loves him and it's gonna be fantastic and there's gonna be no problems at all they have been giving voice to some concerns in interesting ways. And I think Jay is one of those ways, right? Because Jay mm-hmm. has been, you know, kind of hesitant. Like, you know, you know, you know, Arthur wants to come out and, you know, Laurel is supportive. Of course, I think one of the best things that happened is how Arthur came out to Queen Nicola by doing that cute yeah. little hangman uh, thing where yes. she figured it out. Oh, it was so fantastic. And then you had one of her children overhearing what happened and then just being a dumb kid and spreading it all around before he was even ready and quickly apologizing because he realized he stepped out of line and he, he wasn't thinking, oh, just because I don't care that you're gay, that doesn't mean other people aren't going to care that you're gay and you're going to be hurt by the fact that I just outed you to everybody. Like, I think that setup was so good. So even after that, and you've got, you know, a few people in the town accepting, you know, then the next step is, you know, Arthur wants to do this uh, presentation on, you know, being gay and, you know, uh, basically gay rights. And I think it was for Gay uh, Pride Month, uh, which is why they were doing it. And... Me listening to it, Jay, podcaster Jay, I was like, ooh, baby, you just came out like two seconds ago. You trying to do all that already? And then I'm hearing Jay on the show saying what I'm saying, right? Because, yes, Mm -hmm. it's easier to be gay in some respects now, but uh, we ain't living in kumbaya land. Like, everybody's not cool with this, right? So I feel like the way... Emmerdale used characters to give voice to that, like making it seem like, you know, initially Jay was kind of, well, Arthur read it as homophobic, but Jay's like, bro, I'm Indian. Like, people have been clowning me for my brown skin my whole life. You really think I'm going to be hateful to- towards you? Like, I don't understand that kind of uh, hatred That's being like, uh... you know, placed against you because of who you are? No. And I, I love how they did that. But Marshall kind of threw me for a bit of a loop. It was like Marshall was the one who got paid for tricking him, right? Yeah, but see, this is the the thing. So once Emmerdale started moving towards Arthur having a love interest, I was additionally concerned because Mm -hmm. I'm thinking, okay, he's newly out, he likes this boy. We don't know if this boy likes boys. So when he was just talking about Marshall and Marshall was off screen, I was like, mm, I hope they slow this down and I hope this isn't a gay bashing. And a, uh, that, that, That's where my head was. But then Marshall yeah. comes on screen and like seems like he likes Arthur 
And it was like cute and wholesome and sweet and like everybody's hanging and he's asking, you know, Arthur, you know, if he wants to go on a date and then it looks like they're going to kiss and then all of a sudden they flip it and it was all a prank to mess with him. Yeah. I was furious. I was, I, I was mad. I could not believe that the show had done this. And so when I heard that he was coming back, I was kind of like, for what? Because I didn't know if they were going to actually make Marshall gay or if this is going to be like, we're bullying Arthur now. So it's been like, I've been like, not willing to fully accept Marshall because I remember what happened. And like, even though Marshall, like, well, every time, you know, Arthur's basically been trying to say, Marshall's cool if you're gay, Marshall's cool if you're gay, Marshall's cool if you're gay. Marshall's been like, I ain't gay, I ain't gay, I ain't gay, stop, I ain't gay. Yeah, like, we almost kissed, but I ain't gay. Yeah, I asked you on a date, but I, I ain't gay. Because that's been going on, I've been annoyed. So, like, as long as a character isn't saying that they are gay, uh, Sookie on EastEnders prior to this week, uh, where yeah. you and I are watching, <laughs> right, where you and right. I are watching, yeah. I, I, I'm like, cool. If you want to stay in a closet, stay in a closet. Like, uh, people, they have their own timetables. I don't give a damn. You want to stay in a closet your whole life, fine. But you don't need to be in a relationship with a character I like. I want my characters to be with, and friends in real life, to be with other out people who are going to be nice and respectful to them. If you're going to be in the closet and be cool, great. But in author storyline, this closeted person was bullying him, and every five minutes said he didn't like guys. So I didn't think I was going to like how this goes. But author being supportive of this guy, author actually being right about him liking guys, which we finally got confirmation in in the scenes that we watch where he finally says to Nicola after all the I ain't gays to author, uh, to uh, Laurel, I'm sorry. I think I yeah. am. I was like, oh God, thank you. The, the dam has broken, Jesus Christ. <laughs> okay, can we move on? <laughs> it has been fantastic. Yeah, it's like, if you walk out that door, you're not coming. Good. So the actor who plays Marshall is Max Fletcher. He's fantastic. He is fantastic paired with um, Arthur Thomas, Alfie Clark's Arthur Thomas. In the absence of Aaron from the show, I think this is a nice, solid pairing. Um, Ethan is not working for me. Ethan is yeah, not working like, for me. They have, well. they have now ruined. They, they brought Pierce's son on. Fantastic actor. His pairing with Ethan never worked for me, but now nope. he's gone from the show. So we needed, yep. you know, a quality pairing. You've got Arthur, who has a deep connection to the show, who has been on the show for more than a, a decade at this point, and he is fantastic. Um, paired with people we love, uh, Jay, who's grown on me, Laurel, who I've loved from the start, and now, you know, his love interest is now with the family Listen. because he has this yeah, evil homophobic father in Colin who is rubbing everyone the wrong way and um, I just saw you kind of uh, checking things out for this story apparently on Friday's episode Marshall finally stands up to his dad and accepts his homosexuality so you and I have that to look forward to for future viewing huh? why he left 
it was an episode from Friday's episode. You and I watched March. So this is April 28th. Oh, that's upcoming. Yeah, okay. Yes. So I think this has been a solid portrayal. Like, I feel like Aaron's storyline was one of the best that Emmerdale has ever done. So far, this is coming in as a close second. A lot of it because Max Fletcher and Alfie, uh, not fuck up his name, Alfie Clark, I believe. Let me go back. Okay, yes, because Max Fletcher and Alfie Clark are just sweet, sensitive, and it feels like they are taking this storyline seriously. And I think for people that struggle with their sexuality and have to deal with hateful people in their lives and even try to figure out how to navigate the relationships with loving parents, I think this portrayal has just been fantastic. So I'm with girl. Scene of the what the hell to the you know concerning bits, but at the end of the day, scene, scene of, of the, week. the week. Yes, ma'am. Totally agree with that. One hundred percent. All right. What else made you say what the hell from Emmerdale? I don't know why Layla can't leave shit alone. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, I understand that this Callum guy stabbed her son, did all this stuff, but she has to go and use her little baby phone to take video to get this dude arrested just to have him come back to their, er, to their place and pretty much attack them with emotional watch your backness and I'm just like no I'm done Layla Layla can just you know move along find her something to do that doesn't involve kissing other people's boyfriends and all this stuff because it's getting old I'm done (laughs) unfortunately Layla can't move along and that is my what the hell and it has nothing to do with what she did. It's what the writers wrote. Because first of yeah. all, we shouldn't even have this no-name drug dealer on the show. Because Harry from Hollyoaks was the play. And for some reason, they swapped him out with this fool. We could be having a hot love story between Harry and Layla, which would have been the business. I wanted to see, you know, how Jacob reacted to having this young thing be with his mom. That was the play. Instead, we got this extra who is evil incarnate, stabbing people. I know Jacob was doing too much, but he gets stabbed. But basically, he had no comeuppance. Like, he's just going to stab one of our favorite characters on the show and get away with it and then he's gonna mess with Layla or another one of our favorite characters on the show and just get away with it? No. So I was actually happy when at the start of this because I'm like oh he's back? Oh god great Layla got evidence against him and now she can get this son of a bitch sit down for (laughs) stabbing her son and he can get the comeuppance needed. Because you can't just get away with that. No, that's ridiculous. Instead, after she does what she needs to do to get him sent down, 
Emmerdale decides to drag the storyline out by having him get out of jail, threaten her in her house, and have her annoying friend who got her hooked in the first place be like, girl, why you poking a bit? Like, what is the point? Where is this supposed to end? So, it's not bad enough that Layla was on drugs, lost her marriage, had to go to rehab, son got stabbed, hates her now. Now we need to have more of this? No, ridiculous. The story should have ended with him in jail. And then we never should have heard him uh, him again. I don't know what Emmerdale is going to do right now, but I need Mina to come out of jail to kill this mofo and then go straight back to jail. No, we don't need to, any more of this. No, it's ridiculous. Nope. This, this nope. needs to go. Need to go. I'm done with it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's too long, too much. Yeah. I'm done. Agreed, 100%. I, I, I've almost come to the point where I'm in fast forward anything with Layla mode because she hasn't had anything good or fun for the past, or, you know, anything, you know, fantastic or jump up and down worthy for ages. No lies They just kind of have her there. Yeah. 100%, baby. No, I agree. And what's your last uh, what the hell for Emmerdale? I hate to say this because it did bring back some history. Um, I didn't like the sparkle party when Victoria finally met somebody that, you know, could have been, you know, really nice because they were having such a good conversation and they were getting along well and they were on their way back or they were both going to get a taxi home and then she had the rate flashback. I'm just like, oh, she could have finally had somebody that, I mean, like, I know it was only a one-day thing. They only met each other that night. But there was a thing there. They could have met again. They could easily meet again because I'm sure she's going to, like, try to find him and apologize because if she doesn't, I will be sad because he was a pretty cute guy and he treated her well for what it was. <laughs> but it's just like the flashbacks and the way for me and the, and, and the, but I was just like, I understand, but it was totally dramatic. And even though Alex was there to almost beat a dude up and I don't like where that storyline's going either, by the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That would have been another one, but yeah, it's, it's just like, I understand, but at the same time, I thought it was overly dramatically played, and, and it wasn't really, and I hope he gets in touch with the dude, because he seemed very nice, and, and, and the way she treated him was not cool, even if it was a panic attacky moment. Yeah, I have no issues with the way that she treated the guy because given what she was remembering, the fact that she was the last guy that did play that exact same role with her, raped her, I mean, totally makes sense. But I don't need to see him ever again. I don't need her to apologize to him ever again. I need her back with David. Like, what are we doing? Like, what are we doing? What are we doing? This is the thing. We, I want... Characters together who have a long history with the show that I already like. I like her. I like David. Let's make it happen. Great. We don't need any more extras. I don't need anything else reminding us of this weird, convoluted storyline because what ended up happening? She goes with the dude a couple years ago. 
He rapes her. We get his mama in town who's like, girl, you wasn't raped, girl, you wasn't raped, girl, you wasn't raped, he murdered. Then she gets with his brother who was also fantastic. Then all of a sudden, surprise, he's gay, now he off the show. No, no, I want nothing having to do with any reflection of that storyline. The child is here to stay fine. I like Wendy now, fine, enough. I need her with a new character. I like her with David. Let's make it happen. If it's not David, I need her with another established character on the show. I don't need anything else having to do with rape in this woman. She's been through enough. I want happiness. Period. Yeah, sentence. Like, Move on. No. She needs, she needs, happy, she needs happiness. And yeah, it doesn't she's getting it. And yeah. it kind of hurts me because she's a very happy character. Nothing but badness happens to her. Yes. Getting the that she keeps getting the low end of the stick every time she gets in a relationship. So maybe she just needs to be alone like me. <laughs> yeah. I like her with I like her with David. I thought that was interesting. I need David to grovel and do everything to make it up to that woman. And I think that may be an interesting little pairing. So we'll see we'll see what happens, you know. But anyway, so there's that. Okay. I have talked about most of my what the hell's already uh, through you, so I want to start us off with scenes of the week. First of all, I'm just going to give it up to the entire week of March 9th. Uh, this is actually yeah. stretching March 2nd through the 9th. We got so many big issues. Patty's suicidality, uh, Marshall coming out, Laurel understanding what was going on and getting sense and fighting in his corner. Callum, which killed me, the drug dealer, the annoying extra drug dealer's name, Callum, like the annoying one on Coronation Street. Uh, he, you know, gets got and then let out. You know, the, the story, the setup was good until he got out. And then we got Maddie and Amy, the proposal, which was just fantastic. Uh, I just what? felt like, I just felt like all of those stories and, and the way that week played out was just so good. I would have talked about Marshall, uh, Laurel, Callum, Maddie, and Amy. So, my bone with this Maddie and Ava, Amy story, which, thanks to our new King Caleb, has resolved with, goodness gracious, uh, Kyle, not having to face any time, Kane being out of jail and being back home and things going almost back to normal except Nicola is in, you know, the kid's face screaming about the serial killer next door and all of the foolishness. But yeah. although things are almost all the way back to normal, the biggest issue that I have with this particular storyline is how all of a sudden now that the threat of arrest is out the door, everyone has suddenly shifted to, okay, Kyle needs to move back in with Myra and, and uh, Kane immediately. Insanity. Yeah. Insanity. Five minutes ago, Amy was concerned that her child might go to jail because he was on the property with his father, had access to a gun, shot a man, that man died. And now it's like all of that 
is mind wiped because Kane's out of jail and Kyle isn't going to prison? No. The play is Kyle needs to stay with his mom because the last time his mom let him live with Kane and Myra, her son almost got sent to jail. His father got sent to jail. His father cannot control his goddamn uh, temper <laughs> to the fact that, you know, he is got sent to jail, right? So this whole, you know, pivot that Emmerdale did to make it where Amy and everybody, like Caleb and even seemed like Maddie was all, well, for a minute, was all like, yeah, let's just send Kyle back to be in the same situation that got him arrested in the first place. Like, no, I didn't like that. But I did like Amy making things up to Maddie. Because I feel like Maddie's one of the characters that got the shortest end of the stick the whole time. Because Yeah, he was the middle Amy, man the entire time. Amy kept almost every important aspect of what was going on with Kyle from Maddie. As did his mother, as did Kane. So I felt like Maddie's outrage was justified. And I felt like yep. Amy's and the rest of the family really wasn't. But like I said, I like my characters who have been on the screen for a while to get together. Both Maddie and Amy are recast, who have done excellent jobs in the role, and I love the, the pairing. So I didn't want to see any more tension between them. I needed them to have a new era, and I liked Amy you know, finally, you know, stepping up and making sure that the man she loved knew that she wanted to be with him no matter what. And she was sorry for everything that happened before. I thought, fantastic. Loved it, loved it, loved it. Excellent highlight of that particular week. Yeah. What do you think about uh, Amy Maddie? I, I've loved them since. You know, I, I didn't like the initial recast of Amy at first. But now that she's been on there a while and they put, like you said, an established-esque character in with her and they got, you know, and they went through all their issues and they went through everything, like 95% of his transition and everything they went through together. And, you know, it's just like, they're soulmates, man. They, they... They belong together, and I hope they, you know, have a very good and happy relationship. Uh, there will be ups and downs. Their families are <laughs> not in the highest regards of each other. But, you know, considering, you know, the whole stepdad is, you know, the father of his I, that's confusing in itself right there but it's just like I kind of I kind of just want to see where it goes because I really do like them together and I like both grand gestures of proposal from Amy even though one of them was more of a of a uh, let's get together so I can get Kyle in a soul custody thing because we both know that's what that was but the second one was, I'm sorry for messing up, but I love your face and I need you. <laughs> I need and you, you know, 
I didn't like that first proposal either for that reason, but I was intrigued by the thought that she would fight for her son. And I think another reason why I was annoyed was because I thought, y'all had that perfect setup, and that could have driven story for a while. And then they immediately dropped it just to have her give him back. I was like, no, totally unrealistic. Hate it. But I'm here for the love, and so as long as we don't have any owls coming onto this canvas that need to be shot, I guess I'm fine with it for the time being. Yeah, I mean, just, 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 it's like just, just let them be happy. Let everybody who are together right now be happy. That's all I want. And I just want happiness. We know that something's going to happen with other people at some point, but right now we just need the happy. Yes. <laughs> And baby girl, instead of me getting into my final scene of the week, I'm going to ask yours and hope it's the same as mine so that we can just talk about the beauty of Kane, Patty, Liam, and all that. So take it away. That totally is it, too. That last episode from the tent that had me crying for 20 minutes after the episode was done i was just so happy with it it was beautiful you saw kane give somebody a hug who does that when has what have i ever seen kane give anybody other than moira or his son a hug uh, <laughs> it's, it's just like it was and and you know uh liam telling his story about how he was put on quote suicide watch I, I was just like, oh, no, this poor man. And it's just like you, you've seen Patty all week going through the struggle of trying to get Marlon off his back because he's realizing, you know, that he's not doing well and he just wants to be left alone. And that is the last thing he needs is to be left alone. And Marlon sees that and everyone sees that. So he goes ahead and pulls all the dudes from Everdale in to just talk with him and have fun with him. And it was just probably the most beautiful episode of Everdale I've seen in a long time. <laughs> yes. I it, mean... was, it, was, it was absolutely wonderful. I loved it. It was, it was beautiful. It's good. <laughs> EastEnders had the all-black episode a few years ago, which I thought was fantastic. Um, Hollyoaks had that all-female-centric episode a couple years ago, uh, yep. where they had the two generations uh, going back and forth, and that was fantastic. And similarly, Emmerdale took what could have been a failure of an episode. A hot mess. Because who was the topic? Men, right? Because men don't get enough shine in this life, right? But these are the men of Emmerdale. All quality actors. For the most part, quality characters. And I'm what like they that. did. And what they did was they took history that we know, injected it with history that we didn't know, and grounded it in a sense of love and support given to a sweet male character 
by a number of men who would not usually talk about this kind of thing. You know, men getting together for support groups, right? That is not something that is commonplace, right? Or com commonly discussed. I mean, at the end of the day, the intervention episode was one of the best episodes um, of the year. Um, I will not be surprised if it's up for a British Soap Award. Uh, and so far, I hope it wins. Uh, and I look forward to talking about this episode uh, in the future because it was fantastic. Agreed? Agreed. 100%. <laughs> I'm at Brother Soap. And I'm at Lindsay Amanda. Thank you all so much for listening. Bye, y'all. Bye.